Okay, well, um, doing something a little bit different today. <laughs> the roads were a little bit icy this morning and I didn't know if we were gonna get more ice. So we just decided to record it this morning and uh, send it out, recorded at 11. Uh, we're hoping to still meet at one o'clock at Resurrection unless they close, which I don't think they should. By one o'clock, the roads should be totally fine, I would think. Um, but uh, this is how we're gonna do it for the 11. And um, you might get a little background noise from kids running through the hall, but uh, that's all good. Um, this morning we're looking at Colossians 3, mainly focusing on verses 12 to 14. I'm going to back up and read starting verse 9 to give us a little bit more context. But uh, as we've been looking through the book of Colossians, Paul has reminded the church that Jesus is enough. He is supreme. He is sufficient. He's reminding them of what he has done, what he has accomplished for them by uh, through the, his death on the cross, he has paid for their sin, for all of their sin. They are forgiven. And he has won the definitive victory for them to give them all the fullness of God. And now, as he begins chapter 3, he says, Now, because of who Jesus is and what he has done, how he has made you new, life should look different now. You should... You should start to live differently. And, and he starts off in chapter 3 saying, first of all, before you start thinking about how you need to work on living, fill your heart with Jesus. Fill your mind with Jesus. Remind yourself of what he has done to change you. But then he said, last, last week we looked at how he said, you know, you, you need to rid yourself of these practices, these earthly practices. You need to put them to death. And now as we turn to uh, verse 12, he starts to give a little more positive commands and tell us exactly what he, we should be adding to our lives or embracing or focusing on or putting on, as he, as he says it. So listen to God's word as I read from Colossians 3, 9 to 14. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now as we look at these verses, um, that you would work by your Spirit to open our eyes, to make us receptive to what you want us to learn, and most importantly, that you would, that you would change us by the truth of your word, we pray that you would be glorified. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how much thought do you put into what you wear every morning, what you put on, the clothes that you put on? Do you put a lot of thought into it? I remember when I was in high school, forgive me, Lisa, but when I was in high school, I remember my sister, my older sister, who was in high school as well. She was like a junior, senior. She would have a, take a calendar and plan out every day of the, of the month what she was going to wear to make sure she didn't wear the same thing too often and stuff like that. <laughs> That's a lot of thought to be put into what you're going to wear every day. Um, I think if you're like me, some of you since in the past year because of the pandemic, you're probably wearing sweatpants a lot more than you used to 
just because you're not seeing other people as much. Um, I know basically for some of us, the, the natural inertia of our lives is to not get out of your PJs <laughs> until you are forced to. And so if something doesn't force you to get out of your pajamas, you're going to be wearing pajamas the whole day. That's true for some of us, I know. Uh, I know that's true for, for our little kids, um, so much so that Kim, you know, especially on school days, Kim has laminated a checklist for each of our little boys, and on that checklist is get dressed, and they have to check it off and make sure they've done it every day, because it's, it's not out of, out, of the, uh, um, you know, out of the question that I might go out on a Saturday and come home on, at like 11, 11, 30, 12, and some kids will still be in their pajamas. You know, the natural inertia is to kind of stay in the same outfit <laughs> unless we're forced to change. I mean, just the other, this past week, I think it was, um, I was uh, walking by the kid's bedroom and one of the, I saw one of the kids, he was getting dressed, he was looking over his, um, his, his dresser drawer and he was deep in thought. Like he was thinking hard about what he was going to put on. I was like, wow, I didn't realize the, 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 that he put so much effort and, and thought into what he was going to wear. That, that, that's pretty awesome, you know? Um, but the funny thing was, like five minutes later, I passed him downstairs as I was walking by and I noticed that what he had put so much thought into, what he was wearing was he had a gray shirt and then he had gray pants. And if you can believe it, I, I, I don't know how it's possible, but these were two different grays that didn't really go together. And then he had socks, these random pair of like crazy looking socks that didn't seem to go with anything else he was wearing. And, and you know, it, it really hit home that at that point that I was like, you know, if, if we want our kids, you know, some of our kids are very gifted in knowing what to wear, but for a lot of our kids, if we don't pick an outfit out for them, um, it's most likely not going to make a whole lot of sense and it's probably not going to look really good. So it takes, you know, an adult to pick out an outfit for their young child. In this passage, after telling us that believing in Christ has made us new people and therefore we need to put away our old, old way of doing things and, and we need to start doing things differently, but the way he describes it is by using the, the, the picture, the metaphor of, of getting dressed, putting a garment on. You know, he says, put on this outfit, this compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love. Put on this outfit that God has picked out, out for you. Our problem is that the normal inertia of our lives is to stay in the same clothes, to keep behaving the same way that everybody else behaves to keep doing the same things unless we are forced to change and put something new on. And so here he's saying, God has picked out an outfit for you. And this is what you need to put thought and energy into wearing now, because this is who you are now. This is most consistent with who you are as he's made you new, as he's brought you to life. And I just want to mention kind of three important things about this outfit, these clothes that God has picked out for us that are important for us to, to recognize and to know and, and, to, and to take hold of, really, and to, to, plot, to apply. So first of all, um, this outfit that God has picked out, they're, they're clothes that are meant for those who are loved, first and foremost. When I was a teenager, I'm, I, I was a teenager right smack dab in the middle of the 80s, okay? And I'm a little embarrassed to admit that, um, you know, what 80s fashion was like, for those of you who lived around that time. Uh, I owned a shirt. It was a blue mesh shirt. It had a bunch of holes in it all over, right? 
bright blue. And it was like a half shirt that like came up to here on me or it came down to here, you know, so you saw my stomach. Th those were popular among certain groups of people back then. Um, it's hard to believe that I actually wore that and thought I looked good in it. But, you know, I, I, I got that shirt not because I looked at it and I was like, man, that looks really good. I got that shirt because I saw other people wearing them and I thought that if I wore that, I would, people, other people would think I was cool. Other people would accept me. Other people would like me more. <laughs> hard to believe. Hard to believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's why I had that embarrassing shirt. And if you, you know, you might be able to find a picture in my house, um, from that era of me wearing it. Um, I hope not, but, uh, but it's embarrassing, but, but that's, you know, a lot of the thought process that drives a lot of young kids, right? Whether middle school or high school, we feel like we have to wear a certain kind of clothes, a certain brand, a certain style in order for people to accept us. If we're not wearing the right thing, we're afraid that we will be rejected, that people won't love us as much, as much that people won't be impressed, okay? This is absolutely not true about the outfit that God has given us to wear. Um, and this is so important for us to understand. Paul tells us to put on these clothes, right? These clothes of, of compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, but he says, he doesn't say, do these, wear these things so that God will love you. He doesn't say, wear these things or God's not going to be real happy. He says, put on then, in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved. He says, as one who has already been chosen by God, as one who is holy, who God has set apart for himself, as one who is already loved. God loves you. And if you, if you have received the work of Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus and, and that you know, and you know that Jesus has lived and died and risen again for you to give you the fullness of God's presence and his love, then there's no question about his love. You are God's chosen and beloved child. And so He's going to love you. No matter how mismatched you are, no matter how ragged you are, uh, no matter how uh, long it's taking you to get dressed, <laughs> it takes some of our kids a long time to get dressed, no matter how long it's taking us to put on these clothes, the, the progress we feel like we're making may be incredibly slow, but God's love is certain. It's not questioned. It's there. He loves you. And, and these clothes that he tells us to put on aren't, he doesn't tell us to put them on so that he will love us more, so that he will be more satisfied, more accepting of us. We don't have to impress him by trying to be nicer and better and more compassionate. His love is, is certain, okay? And this is incredibly important <clears throat> for us to, to, to really, we need to camp out here we need to, to rest here. We need to remind ourselves. We need to return to this truth over and over and over again because it's so tempting for me to look at my life and be like, oh man, I blew it again. God can't be very happy with me right now. God can't love me very much right now because I was so impatient 
and I just lost it with this person. Um, this is especially, this, this past week, I've been having these words run through my head over and over again. This is one of the advantages and disadvantages of, of preaching a sermon every week because you're like thinking about the passage and you're forced to see how far uh, short you fall. And, and you know, in, in our house, we've got a, a lot of people in our house and, and, and it's challenging. Believe me when I say it, it's challenging to, for me to really be compassionate at times. It's challenging for me to be kind sometimes, for me to be humble, for me to be patient. And it can be overwhelming. This past week, it was, I was tempted to really feel, there are moments I was like, I'm just overwhelmed. I can't do this to the extent that I know I need to. And it's at that moment that I need to just come back to the fact that God loves me. No matter how ugly my current outfit is, no matter how hard a time I'm struggling to get this thing over my head, right? These are clothes that are meant for those who are already loved. We need to really hold on to that fact. Secondly, this outfit that God has picked out for us, they're, they're clothes that are meant to match him, to match the giver. Have you ever seen a parent who dresses their child like them? It can be really beautiful. It can be really cute. You know, a mom and a little girl in the same dress. Um, it's precious. Um, a couple Christmases ago, I know Kim bought sweaters for me and my boys to wear so that we all matched. and It was like really cool. It was really cool as a dad to look around and see, you know, all my sons like wearing the same sweater as me. What is that? Why do we get such a delight? I mean, part of it's probably a sinful delight, like pride, like wanting to see my kids, you know, just a little bit more of a reflection of me. Well, God made us. This is the reason that God created us, is so that we would match him, so that we would reflect him. Back in Genesis 1, it says that he made us in his image. The whole point, back in verse 10, this is one of the reasons I wanted us to read this. He, he says, we've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. As we embrace Jesus and believe in him, and, and as the Spirit works in our lives, one of the, the, the purposes is to renew us, to make us more and more like God, so that we would match him. Except in, his, in God's case, it's not a sinful desire for us to match him, because he is perfect and ultimate Everybody should match him because he's, he's, he's the ultimate in perfect love, in perfect goodness, in perfect faithfulness, in perfect wisdom. The most healthy thing for us to be is, is to match him. And so that's what these clothes are meant to do. And, and, and this is important to recognize because as we read this list, as he talks about having compassion at hearts, kindness, humility, these other things... It's important for us to figure out, you know, what, what does that look like? The way that we figure out what this looks like is to look at God and see how he expresses these things, to look at Jesus and to see how he exhibits these things. That's what helps us understand what kindness is. It's easier for us to be like, oh, it's important for us to be kind, so I, you know, I, I need to be nicer, I need to be more polite. When somebody gets to the door, sh you know, shortly after me, I should hold it for them. You know, that's, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about something much more broad, much more... Uh, real and perfect. And, 
and, and we need to define what these terms are by who God is. Because all of these terms, you know, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, they're all words that are used to describe him. Even in the Old Testament, they're used to describe Jesus and the way that he interacted with people. And so the best way for us to understand what these clothes look like is to look at him. Just real quickly, you know, he is compassionate. What does it mean that God is compassionate? Well, he, he is tender, gentle with those who are weak and who are hurt and who are in need. His, his, his mind is full. It's, it's, it's talking about Jesus being compassionate toward people who are hurting, right? His, his mind is full of them. His heart is full of them. It talks about his heart going out to them. He feels what they feel. And that moves him to help them. And in the same way, if we're going to demonstrate compassion in our lives, we should, as we should look around at the people around us and feel what they feel. We should be tender with them in their weakness and their need. God is kind. What does it mean that he's kind? It's not just that he's nice. It's that he does good to people. He does good to his creation. He does good especially when it's not deserved. That's what kindness is, to, to do good to someone even when they don't deserve it, when they haven't earned your goodness. That's what God's kindness looks like. He is uh, humble. And this particularly we see in the life of Jesus. In Philippians 2, it talks about Jesus' humility in coming into our world and, and denying, in a sense, his, his rightful glory that he deserves and coming into our world as a man and becoming a servant to death. Humility implies service. Humility implies thinking of others' needs and others' interests above your own, your own well-being. And so... Humility for us means that, that we need to be thinking of others and their needs and, the, and their interests before ours, and, and we should be always moving to serve other people. It talks about being meek. And being meek isn't just kind of standing over in a corner and being invisible. Jesus was anything but invisible, but he was meek. And meekness is, is like this uh, quiet security and strength that enables a person to not have to fight for their rights, for what they believe is rightfully theirs, to not have to uh, protect themselves and defend themselves. This is a, Jesus was, was meekness. And especially as he went to the end of his life and he didn't fight for what was rightfully his, and in the end he gave up his life for us, right? But it came out of this strength, this security of knowing who he was and who he belonged to. Patience. If God is anything, he is patient. Not, not being harsh, not, not retaliating for injuries done to him. Bearing with annoyances, bearing with injuries, bearing with failures. That was who he calls us to be. To be patient with the failures of others. Forgiving. Who is God but forgiving as he pours out his grace on his children who have sinned against him. We have sinned against him. We have, we have rebelled against him, and yet he has forgiven us through the work of Jesus. And what does it mean to forgive? It doesn't mean that we forget. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten our sins. It means that he has decided, he has chosen not to treat us as our sins deserve anymore. And instead, instead to, to work for our best 
and our good. And, and so that's what we are called to do as people sin against us, as people injure us. We're not necessarily called to just forget it, but we're called to, to choose not to retaliate, not to make them pay, whether it's through our actions, whether it's the, the thoughts in our head, um, com constantly complaining about them, or our words. You know, it's, it's this decision to not make them suffer for what they have done. And instead to, to, to seek to desire what is good for them, what is best for them. And lastly, he says, put on love, right? Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Um, love is the thing that is essential. It's the thing that encompasses all these other things. These other things we can kind of attempt to do, but without love, they're just kind of empty shells. He calls us to put on love. To again, and and love is is this sense of, of desiring what is best, what is most healthy, desiring the joy of another person, desiring the health of another person, and seeking to do everything you can to work towards that end. That is what God does for us. Be, be committed to caring for them, having affection for them, delighting in them. And so we understand what this outfit looks like by looking at it, how God wears it, how Jesus wears it. I think one of the best things that we can be praying for as we think about putting these things on is, he doesn't talk about glasses here, but maybe glasses that match our Father. You know, um, one way to be more compassionate, one way to be kinder, one way to be more humble is if we can begin to see the people around us the way that God sees them. If we can begin to see them as, as precious as the way they, that God sees them as precious, as valuable as the way that God sees them as valuable. If we can begin to look at others the way that God sees them, it, it will help us to, uh, to be more patient. Right? Sinners who are in need of his grace, his presence and love. So God has picked out these clothes that, that match him. We need to know that. Lastly, uh, we need to remember and, and notice that these clothes that he's picked out are clothes that are meant to be worn among others. They're meant to be worn, worn among others. One of the distinctive things about this list of attributes is that they all can only be worn and practiced with other people, in relationship with other people. We can't sit at home in my room by myself and be compassionate. It's really hard to do that. <laughs> you can't sit alone in my closet and be kind. I can't be forgiving. I can't do these things unless I'm interacting with other people, unless I'm investing in other people, unless I'm, I'm, I'm growing in relationships with other people. It's, it's only in the context of relationships that I can demonstrate compassion, that I can demonstrate kindness, that I can, that I can be humble in thinking of their interests above my own and to serve them. And, and being meek, my meekness is only revealed as I have to interact with people that, uh, that might kind of infringe on my rights. You know, I can only be forgiving when somebody has hurt me. These clothes are meant to be worn with other people. I remember la last uh, New Year's Eve, I remember hearing some people talk about, you know, because of COVID, because of the pandemic, and people having to be home alone. 
Um, some people are like, well, I'm going to get out of my pajamas and get dressed up, even though, even though I'm by myself, just to make myself feel like, you know, it's New Year's Eve. You cannot do that with these clothes, with these attributes. You can't put these on just to feel like you're a Christian <laughs> by yourself. No, you have to invest in other people's lives. And, and so, as much as anything else, especially in light of our current circumstances, right, this pandemic, which, which has limited, we're still able to see each other some and interact some, but it's, it's really limited our ability to be with one another and to, and to invest in relationships. This reminds us that, that that has to take priority in our lives. We need to be thinking about how we can be reaching out to one another and talking with one another and asking one another questions and listening to one another. Or else we're never going to have an opportunity to wear compassion or kindness or humility, right? We need to make that an absolute priority in our lives. It gets so easy to, as I said, the inertia is just to keep wearing the same stuff, to stay at home and keep wearing pajamas by myself. We need to move towards other people, to love them. Because that's the garment above all else that God has called us to wear. So how do we overcome the inertia? The inertia that keeps me wanting to stay the same. <laughs> to wanting to stay in the same old outfit. Right? Of impurity and anger and impatience and, you know, poor use of my words. Rather than putting on these new clothes of love. How do I overcome the inertia? It's not easy to be, to be meek. It's not easy to put others before myself. It's not easy to forgive. So it's hard to, to want to put these clothes on. How do I overcome the inertia? Because to put these things on is going to be a little painful. Sometimes a lot painful, right? Sometimes it's, it's incredibly painful to forgive somebody. It's incredibly painful to, to and, and maybe inconvenient to show compassion. How do we do it? Well, um... Our son Titus, our oldest son Titus, was a son, uh, on staff at a camp two summers ago. And um, this was a camp where 400 kids would come every week. 400 high school kids or junior high kids would come every week. And they'd do these crazy games. And uh, all the whole point is to, to share the message of Jesus' love with these kids. But uh, So the staff members were a lot of college kids. And, um, and, and there was this one game that they played several times that the college kids were always like, really they, they dreaded when it came around but they, they i think they called it pokemon go if you know how pokemon works the kids who play pokemon you you um travel around on your video game or in real life and you search for these pokemon these animals or monsters to collect right and so this was a, a game they, they did it at night and they gave all the high school kids water balloons and what they did is was they selected some of the staff people some of the college kids and they dressed them up in costumes like a T-Rex costume or a giant potato costume or a giant hot dog costume. And then they would hide throughout the camp. And then they would send these kids out to go hunt the costumed characters down and find them. And if they found them, they would hit them with water balloons. <laughs> the problem, I mean, that's bad enough as it was for the staff people, but the problem was that a lot of times these water balloons wouldn't break and they were painful when they hit you. And so you can, you can imagine, like, just getting pelted, just as dressed up as a T-Rex and getting pelted with water balloon after water balloon after water balloon. And, and, and some of these groups of kids would find somebody, they get so excited and so overzealous that they would just kind of, like, pounce on the character and pile on them. And, and 
these kids who, who got dressed up, would, these college students who got dressed up would end up with bruises. And it would be painful. Titus said afterwards, sometimes you'd see some of these guys uh, who wore the character costumes, they'd just be like dazed. And one kid, he thought he remembered having like a black eye afterwards. These kids who were chosen to wear the costume, they knew that it was going to be brutal. They knew it was going to be painful. Uh, thankfully, Titus never had to do it. But, uh, but, but they knew what they were stepping into when they put that costume on. But they did it anyways. We overcome our inertia by remembering that Jesus has knowing full well that putting on these clothes of the compassion and wearing them, these clothes of kindness, these clothes of forgiveness and love and patience, that they were going to cost him. Because Jesus put on these clothes and he wore them. Maybe I shouldn't say he put them on. He was always wearing them. But those are the clothes that moved him to come into our world. And knowing that he would be rejected and beaten and piled on and hung on a cross, nailed to a cross, so that we would be forgiven. So that we could experience the love of God. So that we could be his holy and beloved ones. How do we overcome the inertia? We, we, we look, as we think about these clothes God calls us to wear, invites us to wear, gives us to wear, we need to look at how Jesus wears them, how our Father wears them. I mean, what little kid who loves their parent doesn't want to wear the stuff their parents are wearing? Our kids are constantly stomping around in our boots or our, our shoes, right? We need to, to fill our, our minds, our hearts, again, with Jesus, with, with the way that he has worn these clothes to love us, that we might be moved to want to match him and reflect him, that we might get to wear these clothes as well. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us um, as we think about these clothes that are hard to wear, that you would help us first to think about how Jesus has worn them for us, how he has shown us compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, patience, how he's forgiven us, how he has loved us. We pray that that would inspire us to want to put these clothes on and, and reflect him in the way that we love others. Help us to move out towards others rather than to be selfish and to just sit at home. <laughs> um, help us to think of others and love them well. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in response to God's word, let's uh, confess our sin together using the prayer that's printed in your order of worship and you can pray along with me almighty and most merciful father we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts we have offended against your holy laws we have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we ought not to have done and there is no health in us O lord have mercy upon us spare us who confess our faults, restore us who are penitent, according to your promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live godly, righteous, and disciplined lives. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Father, we now take a moment to confess our sins in the silence.
Father, we do pray that you would forgive us for our impatience, for our lack of compassion, for our lack of love. We pray that your spirit would continue to work in us and renew us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Titus 3, 4-6 says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior.